The views and opinions expressed on Nerds and Beer are solely those of the hosts and guests who clearly know just enough to be dangerous. Please do not try this at home. Ezra Bridger here, recommending Joe and Craig, the nerds who like beer, to the nth degree. Have a good one, guys. May the force be with you. But out of that, a new holiday was born. A festivus for the rest of us. The worst thing about prison was the, was the Dementors. They were flying all over the place, and they were scary, and then they come down and they suck the soul out of your body, and it hurt. Deme- Dementors like in Harry Potter? No, not Harry Potter. Say, what did you do, Prison Mike? What did you do, Prison Mike? I stole, and I robbed, and I kidnapped the president's son and held him for ransom. And then you say, wow, Prison Mike, that's quite a rap sheet. Okay, so I... Say it. (laughs) Wow, Prison Mike, that's quite a rap sheet. (laughs) And I never got caught neither. All right, everybody, you're back on another episode of Nerds and Beer, the podcast. Nerds and Beer, <laughs> the podcast. This is uh, going to be actually our Christmas edition, I, I do believe, because this will be the only recording we do prior to Christmas. Correct? I think. So. Uh, maybe. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I don't think we have any plans <laughs> to do that. Okay. So, uh, with us tonight, um, I, you have me. I'm Cash, also known as Craig. We've got Crash, also known as Joe, Senior Monkey. Brody is here, and then we're very excited to announce our special guest this evening. Uh, we've mentioned him several times on different uh, episodes of the podcast, and he's finally uh, accepted an invitation to come here and act uh, a little uh, ridiculous with us on the recording. So joining us tonight uh, from his home is Takuma. Takuma, welcome. Well, we're very excited to have you here. Um, I feel like we should have had like some sort of drum roll or something some, for him, like an explosion, <laughs> and then just been like, yeah. Tukuma. Yeah, I think if you guys get edited in a fanfare, I mean, just just a small one. Okay, you got yeah. Yes. So Takuma, your background in everything nerd, your your. Probably one of the smartest nerds I think I know. You know everything inside and out, it seems like, in, in our conversations that we have. Um, so tell the people, you're a huge Star Wars fan, uh, comic book world. Like, Give us a little bit of what your your forte is. Like, What do you like the most? You know, there really is no most. I mean, I'd have to say if I did make a list... Star Wars would have to be at the top just because my first memory is Return of the Jedi. So it's a special place in my heart, but Star Wars, Star Trek, comic books, video games. I'm more of a Renaissance nerd. (laughs) (laughs) Right on. Now that, that actually, you know, I was going to ask some rapid fire questions to see uh, where, where your, your likes and don't likes land. But if you have knowledge of the Trek, you know, Craig and I had talked a few times about maybe doing a, uh, just because it's not in either of our wheelhouse, but um, doing a Trek-centric episode. So, you know, we may call on you to help us with that. For sure. Oh, yeah, especially with the new Tarantino Trek coming out. 
Yeah, there's there's a lot of good Star Trek content out there right now. I watched a little bit um, uh, of the first season of Discovery and really liked it, but just for time constraints, I didn't have time to stay up to date on it. But if you're a Trekkie, there's good stuff out there. Oh, yeah. Was that the that was the latest article that I saw a rumor that came out right that they're saying the next few Star Trek movies are going to be rated R? Yeah, so I guess Tarantino's doing a full reboot. Oh, from the, so, from the Abrams stuff, even. Yeah. Oh wow. Yep. So they're they're recasting and just changing the tone. So I, I can imagine Sam Jackson is going to pop up as Spock. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> is uh is Danny Trejo gonna be in there somewhere? <laughs> oh man, Danny Trejo is Chekhov. <laughs> I don't know if he'll be able to though. He's pretty busy with his cookbook. <laughs> his cookbook and his uh, he cooked like real people in that cookbook. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> was it was it a was it a coffee table book and not a cook cookbook? Or am I thinking of something else? I might be. Thinking. Oh no no it's oh is it yeah. I want to say there's a Danny Trejo cookbook. There's a book of pictures with him holding kittens. <laughs> <laughs> right now, as far as as far as your other interests, uh, you said comics. Um, are you a Marvel guy, a DC guy, or like uh, third party? Like, what what are your comic interests? So I grew up Marvel, and as I got older. More of the independent stuff kind of became my wheelhouse. I really love the indie comics. Um, DC, <laughs> I always look in on them. <laughs> Just check to make sure they're doing okay. <laughs> I have high hopes for DC. We all seem I mean, to always have high hopes, and they just haven't fulfilled them yet. And I, I think it... They start off so good, and then all of a sudden the writer is like, well, my contract's up, so... <laughs> See you later. <laughs> Just basically hands them like a bunch of like napkins that he jotted down ideas and go, here you go, this is what I was working on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, I, I uh, hopefully this is the first of many times you join us because... Like I said, there are many things that uh, Cash and I are not knowledgeable about, so we could always use the extra opinion. Oh, yeah. Well, and, you know, it depends on how upset my wife gets that she's stuck with the baby. So, <laughs> hey, you know, that's that's kind of the world we all live in right now. <laughs> that's why we're trying to keep this as quick as we can, because we want to be on her good side. Yes. Wife, <laughs> wife willing. <laughs> So I guess we can uh, jump right into some Mandalorian talk then. And then the second part of this episode, I think we're going to talk some of the uh, Disney Plus announcements that came out. Um, Our Facebook page, we bombarded people the other day. Uh, Disney had their Investors Day where they announced all these new shows and movies coming out. Um, So I think the second part of the uh, podcast, we'll talk about that. But if you guys, uh, you gentlemen are ready, we can jump into the Mandalorian. I I think that sounds good. We have two episodes left, so... You know, if we jump into um, episode, or sorry, chapter chapter 15, 15, right, is where we left off. Yep, and that one was called, was it called The Rescue? New one? No, that's that's 16. Yeah, that's the last one. Oh, the Boba Fett one. That's called? No, the, the chapter 15 with. 
Come on, McClunky. With Ahsoka? No, with uh, where they go and they <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. find uh, uh, coordinates for Moff Gideon's ship. Oh, the Believer. The Believer. For some reason, I forgot about that episode, and I thought it was God, the Boba Fett so one. so hard to find good help these days. Apparently, McClunky's the drunk one for one. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. So, <laughs> so, the Believer. Yes. All right. Now, I went into this episode thinking, and I think I had even said this on our last our last podcast, that I thought this was going to be kind of a filler episode um, and a lot of setup for the finale. And even though it, it did lead us into the finale, I thought it really gave us a lot more story and character development than I really anticipated. What did you guys think? Yeah, I actually thought the episode was really good. In terms of content, yeah, I thought it was a, a solid episode. I do feel like it was still kind of a filler episode, but I did like that they gave us that character development and more of the backstory of uh, Bill Burr's character. <laughs> Bill Burr. Bill Burr. <laughs> Bill Burr. Uh, what was his name? Uh, uh, yeah, it's, isn't it Bill Burr? Yeah, that's his real name. <laughs> oh, Mayfeld. Mayfield. Mayfield. Mayfield, yeah. I did like that they gave that extra... Um, you know, that side of his backstory that nobody had seen. Um, I thought that the interaction that they had with the, the um, Imperial high ranking officer, which he also played uh, Joe chill in Batman begins. Oh, is he did? Yeah. 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 So I, I thought that interaction was, was really cool how he did that and the emotion that, that he was showing with that interaction. That guy that just oozed douchebaggery. <laughs> yeah. He's like, let's get a drink. In, in Game of Thrones, he was actually king of the douchebags. <laughs> yeah, he, he was just he was chill the night. And that's the that was what I was telling some people that when we were talking about it, and I'm like, anytime that there's any sort of interaction, it seems like in the Mandalorian, whoever the other character is that you don't know, or they're just like a cameo, like everybody is somebody. It seems mm-hmm. like on this show, mm-hmm. some yeah. folks, and I think they. They did a really good job of, um, and I'll, I'll go into the reason I think for it in a minute, but a good job of developing Mayfeld as more than just kind of an a-hole. Because when we saw him in season one, he was an a-hole. Like, he was snarky, and there really wasn't a lot of depth to the character, I thought. But they did a good job of giving us his backstory really quick and giving us, you know, some, some character development and making him a human being. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, he first appeared in the first season. I didn't really care to see him again. And then Bill Burr did an interview afterwards and said, "I'm never doing this again." And I thought, okay. Then they said Bill Burr is coming back for Chapter 15. And I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it really showed a side of him that you know. You strip away that third arm and you get right down to the real Migs Mayfield. Yeah. And I, I thought that same thing when I heard that that character was coming back, like, oh, they've got to break him out. I'm like, oh, great, that guy. Because to me, in season one, he was nothing special. But they they managed to quickly turn him into a character that we want to see again. And I think along the lines of the Ahsoka episode, like we saw that the Ahsoka episode quickly turned into um, almost a a soft pilot for her own series. Um, I think Mayfeld is going to be 
Um, and the character development we got is almost a soft pilot for that um, Rangers of the Republic show. I think he yeah. is probably going to join Cara Dune um, in that series, don't you think, the way they set it up? Probably. For sure. Like, a, a reluctant ally, you know, he's in it for himself, but at the same time, I, I don't know. It's definitely a lot more depth. Do you, Takuma, do you think that Bill Burr changed the, his own tune and said, you know, I didn't want to do Star Wars, and now he's back in it? Do you think it's because now he realizes how much money he can make doing it? <laughs> no, well, you know, that's the thing about Bill Burr. Like, whether you like his stand-up or not, he's never really gone mm. for the money. I mean, he's had opportunities to do a lot of Adam Sandler-type movies, and he's like, no, I'd rather just do my own stand-up, no filter. So, I don't, I don't think that was really it. I know there was one interview that I saw where he said secretly he's always been a Star Wars fan, but he loves traveling uh, hardcore Star Wars fans. I think that's probably so, a, a big chunk of it, that he was trolling us even back then. That Because, I mean, they're filming this stuff so far in advance that by the time last year when we got that episode, like, this episode was probably either in the can already filmed or very close to being done. Mm-hmm. So I think he was along the lines of Mark Hamill and just kind of trolling us. Yeah. Yep. So now I do I do have to pause briefly because along the lines of secret special guests, um, as we're talking, someone walked into the the basement recording studio here. Do you want to announce yourself? Hi. Oh, nice! Nines. <laughs> Nines is here. How long she'll stay here? I don't know, but she's here. Nines, uh, quick, give us give us uh, one of your impersonations, please. Give us, come on, do Lando just no, once. No, I don't. Just Lando. Come oh, on, don't you No. Do maybe. Seinfeld. Maybe no. Maybe for like your birthday or something. Do Fran Drescher. No. Bro, do uh, do Michael, do Prison Mike. Prison Mike. Yeah. 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 The Demi- Come on. That was it. It got cut out on my end. Do it again. <laughs> <laughs> The worst thing about prison was the Dementor. Okay, oh, that was that terrible. Takuma, yeah. you're just joining. What do you think of that? You know, <laughs> no, that was that was the worst Thank ever. You. ever. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, now moving 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 back on to the topic. Um, so with, um. Well, God, what was the name of it again, McClunky? The Believer, the Believer yeah. Yeah. Um, we got to see a fair amount of character development with Mayfeld, but we also got to see um, a little bit more with Din. Um, we got to see him show basically how committed to getting the child back he was. Oh, my gosh. Oh, are you going to start tearing up, Nines? No. No. <laughs> um, he, he, broke, he broke his own cardinal rule which was taking his, his helmet off in front of people. Are we not talking about the finale? We're not, we're not there yet. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to the party, Nines. Yeah, thanks, Nines, for I'm showing sorry. up. Okay, I'll no, no stay. Turn, turn the punch bowl. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I was just trying to comment, but, you know, it's fine. Now, when they were on their little uh, their little run to try to get their 
explosive stuff into the base there. What was the what was the name of that chemical Rydonium. there? McClunky. Rhydonium. Rhydonium. When they were trying to get that inside, and those um, those pirates or whatever they were um, were trying to to blow them up. Was I the only one that was really hoping that Hondo Anaka would? I was just going to say that. I was hoping that we'd see him. <laughs> yeah, you know, eventually we will. Yeah, but I like like I said, and oh, yeah. I, I think we've all talked about this before. That if they do it, it has to be the original voice actor. Oh, yeah. That mm-hmm. that guy is only voice of Hondo. Yeah, for sure. Is <laughs> <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> <laughs> Nine's going to do an impersonation of that? No, she can't do oh. No. Keep working on it. No. no. I will. I'll work. All right. On next it. episode. Yeah. All right. Okay. Deal. I'll be gone. <laughs> the, the, the gift pirates is when they all realized we're just gonna have to throw as many thermal detonators as we can. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's when they knew their plan wasn't working anymore. Let's just throw it. In. Let's see. Yeah. Now, let, correct me if I'm wrong. Okay. They're supposedly. They're supposedly pirates. Like, pirates are in it to make money, correct? Sometimes. Like, these guys were just blowing shit up. Um, what what were they going to make money off that? Like, okay, if you called them terrorists? Okay, there, I buy that. Like, what were they... How were they going to make cash off blowing up just imps? Well, see, I think that they were... The, the imperial side was looking at them as pirates. But for them and their people, I think that they knew what they were trying to use that for. To create a weapon or, you know make explosives or something like that. So for them, they were more like vigilantes, if you will, trying to stop them. Okay. I, I'll not. buy that then, but I didn't buy calling them pirates because they're just, they're just reckoned. Yeah. And the only reason that, you know, didn't, yeah. you know, fought them and stopped them was because they needed their plan to go through. Cause he's only thinking about getting the child back. If this had been, if this had been a different no. time in his life, he probably would have helped them, you know? <laughs> Right, right. Are you... Nobody on this planet was thrilled that there was an Imperial factory. <laughs> so it's like these guys in their own towns were probably heroes. Yeah. But, you know, for the Imperials, they were just laser targets. Yeah, that's, a, that's another thing. Not that we ever want to make the Imperials the good guys. But it did give you a different view of them. Like when they managed to roll into the base and they got through the gates. And all the stormtroopers and the workers just like stopped and saluted them. Yeah, one. Of, yeah, saluted. Yeah. <laughs> well, one of the things that I noticed too, which is kind of crazy actually, because when you watch the the new uh, trilogy, um, with the the Force Awakens, when Finn came off the transport and he had his helmet off, and remember uh, Phasma was like, "Who told you you could take your helmet off?" and like scolded him for it. And then like, they just roll into this base and, you know, Bill Burr comes down and doesn't have his helmet on. He's like saluting people. And I'm like, oh, they were a little bit more lackadaisical back then, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of crazy to see the changes between the empire that is falling versus the new order, which is just, re- you know, building. Yeah. Well, I think that's a that's a big part of it, too, is we're not um, what we're seeing in the Mandalorian isn't the you know, spit-shined empire under Darth Vader and under uh, good old Papa Palps. You know, these guys are these guys are running on empty and, and just trying to get through the day. Um, so uh, their, uh, 
their rules are a little bit uh, shaggy. I, I also realized that this episode uh, almost made you excited to see TIE Fighters come in and save the day. Like, it... Yeah, that was pretty dope. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was like a weird feeling. Like, the moment I saw everyone cheering, I looked at my son and I said, everyone in that room <laughs> is going to get killed. <laughs> they can't have a W in their column. It's well, like just... like McConkie said too. You felt happy when you saw the Tie Fighters saving them, but then afterwards you were like, "Now I feel so dirty. Everybody has to die." <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm like, yay! Wait, uh, what? <laughs> That's hilarious. I think Nines is Nines is making an exit now. Say goodbye, Nines. Bye, goodbye, Nines. nines. Goodbye. <laughs> Bye. Uh, yeah see you later so in terms of the believer i mean i thought overall i thought it was a solid episode good good filler content building up to oh mcclunky's raising uh, his hand boba fett repainted his armor and it looks close to like the legend oh, version yeah. of armor i i did think that was pretty badass to see boba like all shined up and looking new yeah yeah um, at the beginning too, when the transport comes flying in, that's the same transport that uh, from chapter six when they're trying to uh, get on it and uh, free that one guy from prison. That's the same kind of transport flying overhead mm. in the beginning shot, and those droids are the same droids I think that were on the transport, just different. Well, and then now also this is the episode two where we got to see Slave One. Uh, kick out one of those sonic grenades, right? Like, uh, like Django used against Obi Wan back in Attack of the Clones. Yeah. Yep. Well, mm-hmm. it was, was also dope. the episode where, after they got on Slave One from getting uh, Mayfield, you got to see the inside of Slave One and how the mechanics worked, like with its transition. Yeah, you got to see like it's the inside of one of those carny. <laughs> yeah, like there. like slowly changing position. Yeah, I thought that was pretty sweet. Uh, now, for me as a uh, avid collector of um, like the Black Series full size helmets, I'm not going to kid you guys. Mm-hmm. My heart broke a little bit when I saw the new uh, painted helmet because I was like, you know, they're going to release a, a new painted one, and I'm like, I'm going to have to buy it. Like I'm going to have to. Well, you could. <laughs> I thought I was telling. You could just buy another one of like those Empire Strikes Back ones, but like repaint it because it shouldn't be that hard to repaint. It's literally just getting the right shade of red and green. You've met me, right? Like you know, I have zero handy skills. I could do it. Yeah, that's that's a lot. <laughs> I can do it. He wants it. What's that? Yeah, he wants it. To yeah, look good. Exactly. I mean, if I tried to paint it, I'm just going to get angry, and it's just going to probably end up as like a completely white or black helmet. <laughs> I can remember when oh. when I was a kid, I bought okay, and I'm the oldest one of the group here. I bought extra stormtroopers, like the little three and a half, three and three quarter mm-hmm. inch figures, and tried to paint them so they'd look like different things, and they just. <laughs> <laughs> That's why when we we picked up the um, Legion game, and I was a little bit bummed originally when we opened the miniatures, and I'm like, "What? I have to put these together and paint them? <laughs> <laughs> so labor intensive." <laughs> Some assembly this isn't some. I will carve these figures out of wood myself. <laughs> this is Grandpa Star Wars. <laughs> oh, God. So, 
yeah so there was those uh those couple things though in the episode that were pretty sweet slave one the painted armor which looks nice and clean now i am a big fan of the painted armor myself so i saw a lot i saw a lot of uh like facebook polls and instagram polls that people were asking do you prefer the old armor versus the new armor and it was you know i think about 65 percent of the population the people that voted were in favor of the new armor or the colored repainted armor if you will there's just something about the original though that i like better i'm like i like the new one because it looks sharp and it looks new but there's just something iconic about the original dented up and like, well, yeah, battle damage looking one. I mean, Takuma looked like he's still got that dent in the helmet. Yeah, I know. He do- he still does have the dent, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it stands to reason, like, in-universe, he would have had to do a lot of repairs on that just to get it back to functioning correctly. So, you know, throwing a yeah. throwing a fresh coat of paint on the old armor makes a little Now, Takuma, sense. you had a theory about his armor, right? That it's not completely Beskar, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I feel like the fact that he has that dent proves that it's not as high quality Beskar as it's more, dents. more like a Durablend. Um, and yeah, more more like Beskar with Durasteel or some other, you know, some other polymer that it would blend with. And especially if he got it, if Django acquired the armor enlisting in the Mandalorian Civil War, they were just handing those out like candy. So everyone got cheaper armor as cheaper. it were. Well, that, that does make a lot of sense because if, if not to jump ahead to chapter 16, but if we see what Din's armor uh, gets put through in chapter 16 and comes out without a scratch. Um, the fact that Boba's armor does have a dent in it says either somebody set off a nuke by his forehead or that's not quite best yeah. yeah. And so the, the scrapped backstory behind the dent, um, there was actually going to be an episode of Clone Wars where Cad Bane and Boba have a duel. And Cad Bane draws down first, shoots Mm -hmm. Boba right in the head. The helmet goes flying off, but then Boba lands a couple shots, takes out Cad Bane, and you see the scorch marks in the helmet, and that's what saved him. So it's, you know, there's an old video of it on YouTube, I think. Um... It's pretty interesting. They had the rigs all set up, but they just grabbed That could be a potential story for, not to spoil for the next part, but for the book of Boba Fett. They could show in live action how he got that dent. And like a flashback. Like a flashback, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's going to be a lot of flashbacks. I mean, it's, it's specifically called the book of Fett. So I think there's going to be a lot of Django, too. So Yeah. Yeah, easy to do. (laughs) Well, I think we can stick a pin in chapter 15 and go right into chapter 16 now, now that we're kind of heading that way. What do you guys think? Yeah. I'm down with the club. (laughs) Oh, man. So chapter 16 is called? Uh, The Rescue. The Rescue, My brain is not working right. So McClunky burn up. Uh, yep. So this is the chapter where uh, Din goes to uh, Moff Gideon's ship 
yep. to retrieve, save the child. Grogu. Uh, yep, Grogu. Grogu. So he's accompanied with uh, Bo-Katan. Um, do we know what Sasha Banks' character's name is? Yes. Oh, God, we do. It's um like Casca, Casca Reeves, I think. Okay. So she's accompanied. What happened to the, the dude's not there? Yeah, Axe Wolvar. Yeah. He's yeah. He's they gone. just ditched him. They just figured, man, we got we got the. Well, somebody asked me, and I was like, maybe he's off on a side mission. I don't know. Yeah, there was three of them. I don't think. So. Yeah, I think he's dead. <laughs> uh, I kind of I liked how this episode like skipped right into the action. Like it opens up, it opens up in that like chase, right? Yeah, with. Them trying to get Dr. Pershing, yeah, and then when they get on there, the one dude's like, Do you have a death wish? but then he starts like chanting, um, taunting Cara Dune, and then she just, you know, oh, I thought that was that was really great, and that's another example of how great uh, Filoni is and how Favreau is again, like they can do more for backstory and more for character development in a five minute scene than George Lucas could do, like, in a two hour yeah. movie. Like they gave us, they gave us that intensity between Akara Dune and that douchey Imperial officer, like showing both sides of it. Like the Imperial viewed the rebels mm. as terrorists, and he pointed out like how many yeah. millions of people died. But then he taunts her for like blowing up yeah. the entire planet. And it's it's actually funny because that whole um, interaction too was some of the, the groundwork for that theory was uh, in Clerks. And Kevin Smith was talking about it in Clerks. Yeah, all the all the independent. Yeah, because they had all those the people desk. in there working to rebuild it, and then the, here comes the New Republic again to blow it up once again, and all those innocent people died. Yeah. Now, not to not to rip the maker himself, George Lucas, because without him, we wouldn't have Star Wars. But could you imagine how great the original trilogy would have been if you would have had guys like Favreau and Filoni like writing the the dialogue between people? Like we actually get good conversations. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, do you think that? <laughs> I hate sand. <laughs> oh God. Do, do you think that I don't think you'd ever see it that they would remake the original trilogy? No, I think God. Could you imagine how the trolls on the internet would go crazy uh, with that? Yeah, I think like, so. But in a world where everything's a remake these days, I wonder if they would. Yeah, I'd say even in twenty, thirty years, it's one of those things where as long as it can be remastered in some way, I don't think that'll. Well, they can. Hopefully, just... they can just keep adding to. And that doesn't, it, it kind of eliminates the need to redo the original. Like, if you can just give keep giving us quality add-ons, we don't need to redo mm-hmm. Yeah, and apparently they have enough stuff on the, yeah. on like the, the other end that they can just keep remastering the film with new stuff. Like, new visual effects, new things mm-hmm. like McClunky. <laughs> they have a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, some of it is kind of pointless, but at the same time, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now we got some, uh, yeah. you know. I mentioned the dialogue between that Imperial and Cara Dune. We did get some pretty sweet dialogue between Bo-Katan and um, Boba Fett too, when he was enlisting 
them to to help him, you know, in his quest to get the child. Um, we got the exchange where Boba called. He referred to Bo-Katan as princess, yep. right? Yep. And she talks about uh, him not really being a Mandalorian and talks about how, um, you know, he wasn't, you know, Django wasn't your father. He was just your donor. Kind of a, a punch in the gut about yeah. Boba being a clone. I thought that was another case of really good, like, yeah. uh, world building, connecting us to the, the old trilogies and, you know, connecting us to the other, you know, the other media that we've seen out there. Yeah, and when she goes, oh, I've heard your voice thousands of times, it's like, oh. Yeah, that was yeah. pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a solid interaction there. And um, Sasha Banks' character, again, I forget her name because, you know, that's just who I am. I'm bad with names. But um, when she even, you know, he starts talking, she's like, I didn't know sidekicks could talk. <laughs> How would you like to be looking out the other end of a bathtub tank? Yeah, that was so good. That whole Hot scene was just cool. like, oh man. And that's you know, <laughs> yeah. Mandalorian. I hate talk. to I hate to keep ripping on George Lucas because you know that's kind of blasphemy. But like, you compare the dialogue in these scenes and the depth of these scenes to the drivel that he gave us in some of the originals. It's that. like, whoa. This is so much better. Yeah. Like, God, those interactions between Anakin and Padme were so terrible. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> the the, the on-scene, on-camera chemistry between those two is, like, cringeworthy. Well, and I think there's a, a famous quote by Harrison Ford back during the original trilogy where... He told George Lucas, you know, George, you can write this shit, but we're the ones that have to say it. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, so um, so we have that interaction. They pick up Bo-Katan and Sasha Banks. Koska. <laughs> Koska I'll never remember that. Yeah. Um, so they pick them up. They go. They get uh, Cara Dune. They've also got Fennec Shan. And then they go mm-hmm. to Moff Gideon's ship. Yep. They put in this plan, which is really cool, with the uh, with Doctor Pershing's uh, ship to to breach Moff Gideon's ship, and then create a diversion so that Din can go on his own little side quest to find Grogu. Right. I thought the the camera shots in that shuttle landing on Moff Gideon's ship was amazing. I, I'll agree with that. I think that was pretty dope. And seeing how they um, how they launched the Tie Fighters out of those was pretty cool too. How, yeah. Like their well, out. and the shuttle you see it you see shuttles like that you know same model and stuff that land on the Death Star in the original movies and it's very slow for entry and stuff. And this was one like when they started to get close to the ship, I'm like, oh god, they're gonna rip those wings right off of there. Mm-hmm. Well, I think in mm-hmm. in normal terms, that's not where you would land a shuttle, right? Like that, that front launch bay was just for ties and there's probably a different port of entry for, you know, a Lambda class shuttle or something else that's coming in and out. Um, Cause that, that looked just like a slingshot. It was super cool though, how they did that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's for years. There's always been 
books that show cross sections of these ships and now we're actually getting like oh this goes here we're, we're seeing that on screen so it's it kind of gave cool. me a callback to when uh in revenge of the sith when anakin came spinning in um in his jedi fighter you know and crashed into oh grievous uh, yourself, yeah. what's his name grievous's ship yeah yeah that was that was yeah. a sweet scene too so uh so they get on the ship um they of course start their attack and then dinjarin comes down and goes to find grogu uh, I thought overall the action in this episode was amazing. A lot of innocent stormtroopers lost their lives. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was good. Um, their plan, you know, was both good <laughs> strategy, <laughs> someone would say, um, but it also served as, I think, good foreshadowing to the fact that we had two different motivations. Like Bo-Katan was there. Sure, she's there to help Din. But she's also there because she wants the dark saber. Yeah, and I don't think she kept that a secret. Like yeah. she, she made that very clear. Like I want that saber. I want Moff Gideon, and I'm going to take it. Um, so I think uh-huh. he knew that going in, but that's why he he asked her because he knew that he could have her help, and she's you know certified badass. So um, mm-hmm. when Din goes off to find Grogu, he's got. Uh, he knows that he's going to be encountering the dark troopers that we saw a couple episodes back. Uh, when they come to life, they say, this is where we get the, the uh, description of them and that they're not human. They're actually just all droids now because human element, as Dr. Pershing mm-hmm. told us was the last flaw that needed to be fixed. So they made them all droids. And when they came to life, they could be activated in what do you say? Three minutes, like three minutes three minutes or so and so yeah. by the time Din gets there they're active and then he starts battling one gets through the door that he tries to seal and you get to see just uh how powerful these droids are which i thought was awesome because we have not seen them on big screen before correct correct and this is our this is their first canon debut too right. because where were they and they were in an old Legends star wars against dark forces dark force yeah yeah yeah, I, I, I'm not a big fan of those dark troopers. I think they just look like big, stupid, rock'em, sock'em robots. Well, and here's the thing about the dark troopers that's always made them scary for me when they show up in games. Imagine a TIE fighter <laughs> with legs. <laughs> and that's pretty much what they are. They, they have the same weapons. <laughs> like they have a ship loadout. Yeah. But you walk through a They were, place. they were, uh, I mean, they look pretty badass to me. Like I, I'm not opposed to them. Um, I told Brody even like the scene when they go to the bridge and they're like pounding on the door trying to get in. Uh, when they did that side by side shot of the red eyes, oh, man. I thought that was an amazing shot. I was like, that's so cool. The dark troopers I found kind of like terrifying at points. Like just them just standing there. Even I'm like, whoa, those guys are scary. Yeah, yeah. they were super intimidating. It was it was pretty cool. I mean, just seeing the one. Well, and then when he when he beats the one, <laughs> and then he pulls the the airlock in the chamber, and they all fly out. And I looked at the you know Brody and Ray and everybody, and I'm like, oh, he did it. He beat them all. 
not even like not like contemplating that they're out in space and they're droids and they're okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> I had that same hope, and my youngest son looks at me. He goes, "They don't have to breathe, and they have." Yep. <laughs> so so when, oh when God, they're on the right. bridge and they start getting the alerts that there's like all these people boarding, and they're like, "How many life forms?" and she's like, "None." And then you see them land. I'm like, like you should have saw my face. It was like when you watched The Sixth Sense and the ending popped up. I was like, man, I didn't even see that coming. <laughs> <laughs> but I should have. <laughs> I'm like doing the math in my head. Like, no, the ship's got to be going this speed. And if they were ejected at this point no, they <laughs> and they they caught up oh <laughs> man so i'm kind of jumping all over the place with this episode <laughs> but come on our listeners have had to have seen this episode right oh yeah 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 for sure for sure if they have exactly again, we, didn't, what are they we didn't even do our disclaimer for the uh the spoiler <laughs> alerts <laughs> No, they should know better. <laughs> this was now. the this season finale. You just made somebody watching this be like, I haven't even seen it. Oh my God, they just spoiled it all. <laughs> you guys keep talking for a sec. I got to okay. run upstairs and replenish right. my beer. Yeah, so then, uh, yeah. So where were we again? We were just talking about the Death Troopers. Death tro- Dark Troopers. Dark Troopers, I'm sorry. Dark Troopers. Uh, so he shoots them out of the airlock. Uh, and the one's like pounding on his helmet. And I'm like, Oh my god, he's gonna break it! Yeah. Like he's gonna like shatter that helmet like it's nothing. I kind of thought at least he would like break the the tea glass, the visor. Yeah. yeah. Did you did you think he was gonna do anything like that, Takuma? You know, I kind of worried that if something like that happened, that'd just be it. It just be <laughs> like, yep. and his face was crushed like a melon. <laughs> <laughs> I really had high hopes that that yeah. best guy and then he ends up uh, oh, sticking man. the spear through its neck and just ripping yeah. its head off. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty sweet. So he does that, um, but he used the songbirds on him too. Yeah, he used the the whistling birds. Whistling birds. Sorry. So he used, see, I'm horrible with names. <laughs> so he used so he used I'm the back, whistling the birds on them, and they did like nothing to him, which it makes yeah, me wonder. Like, jerked him around. Yeah, but... it makes me wonder if the armor plating is Beskar. Yeah, I I think it's some kind of, if not Beskar, it's... I mean, it can't be pure Beskar, but it might be like a Beskar, like of some kind. I mean, the Whistling Birds, like, didn't do much other than just knock him around. Like, it just, like, tanked him around, so it it really did little damage. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, and you know the the fact that they have that concussive power is pretty crazy because they're they're so small, but yeah. nothing else knocking yeah. off his feet. Yeah, so when he took the head off that one, and then he sent all the other ones out the airlock, I was really happy. I was like, "Oh, thank God, we don't have to see them." And he took care of them, and then they came flying back, and I was again, "What?" <laughs> yeah. Now we, when he continues, then he gets to Grogu fairly easily after that. Um, but we discover that Moff Gideon really 
um, wasn't fooled by the distraction of Bo-Katan and them at all. He headed right down to Grogu because he knew he knew that's what's that's what was. And then happen. also, yeah, so he goes to the the detention level to find Grogu and uh, whatever Sasha Banks's character's name is, <laughs> and and uh, Cara Dune and uh, Bo-Katan and oh, Fennec Shan. They go in through the bridge. And when they're in the the elevator and like her like her blasters jam, she's just like spilling out Star Wars curse words. Yeah. So then they go in there. She just completely destroys all the stormtroopers. And then they get to the bridge and they realize that Moff Gideon isn't there. Yeah. Oh man, I was so worried he was gonna blow up the bridge or something crazy. It was like no. <laughs> I let this be the point where something bad. I like how when her her blaster was jammed, she just like takes it and smashes it on the ground. Don't they even volunteer to help her with it? And she's like, no. (laughs) Yeah, she's like, I got it. I think what bothered me about the whole uh, didn't get into the detention facility and then going to Grogu's cell, I think what kind of drove me a little crazy about that was that Moff Gideon in previous episodes, like when he pinned him down. Um, at the cantina in season one, at the end of season one. And he was like making comments and he knew who everybody was. And anytime you saw him, it, all, it always seemed like he was one step ahead of them, right? Like he knew their plan of attack and stuff. Mm-hmm. Now you tell me he knew that Din was coming to the cell, but you're going to arm the outside of it with two stormtroopers when you've got all those, those dark troopers. Like, you could have just put two of them outside, too. You know what I mean? Like, it, uh, to me, it seems like he could have been a little bit more strategic in his planning there. Yeah. I th- yeah. And I, I think the problem with that was just the charge up and the energy needed to he didn't have enough time. get the dark troopers mobilized. Well, and I think he, you know, yeah. Gideon prides himself on being smart and being, like you said, one step ahead of everybody. I think he had he had two plans. He he knew that they weren't going to be able to beat all those death troopers, and even if they got to him, they were going to be coming back. And then the other thing was that he was counting on, you know, he knew that in a one on one fight, he's going to lose, and he's going to lose that dark saber. Um, and I think he was really counting on the dynamic between Bo-Katan and the Mandalorian ripping up their plan you know midstream that the, that she was going to try to take out din then for the dark saber mm. i see i see mm-hmm. yeah so then he gets in the where grogu's at and we see that he has the dark saber out and he starts talking to him and he says i already have what i need from him um and he starts talking about his blood and how it's going to bring order to the galaxy what do you think that means Restore the natural order to the galaxy. Do you, think, do you guys think that's an Easter egg for the uh, cloning of Palpatine, or you know, yeah, yeah, I think it's definitely the the first order is what they because this isn't the first time yeah. they mentioned the order. So, in the last episode, that the captain mm. mentioned how. Everyone wanted. Yeah, I could see that. I, as much as that pains me though, because I was like, "Don't connect this to the new trilogy." (laughs) No, but okay. Let's think of this as a positive, though, dude. Again, like I've said, 
Favreau and Filoni have shown they can do what J.J. Abrams and George Lucas couldn't do. You know, if there's any two guys that can connect to, you know, whatever you think of a sequel trilogy, um, it, it had some good parts. It had some parts that were meh. If there's any two guys that can connect what they have going in Mandalorian to the sequel trilogy and then eventually repair it or move on from it, it's these two guys. So it may not be a bad yeah, thing that trying to connect it. I just, to me, and I've said it before, I was like, if they try to too hard to connect the dots or, you know, tie it to the new trilogy, it just feels like Disney's yet again trying to get fans to fall in love with that latest trilogy. Which, I mean, it, I'm not saying that fans won't fall in love with it. I mean, look at how many years it is after the prequels. And, I mean, that's still very much like a 50-50, either like it or you don't kind of yeah. feel to it. Um, but I think people are more receptive of the prequels now than they were, you know. Like when they first came out. Yeah. Even- well, I think it's a it's a it's very much a generational yeah. thing, too. I mean, we're old farts. We grew up on the OT, so we love the original trilogy there's a whole generation of kids that grew up on that to them that's star wars and again you know with with ray and finn and poe mm-hmm. there's a whole bunch of kids out there that that is yeah. their star wars so you know it's it's generational and i think that you know not to put all my hopes on a set of two guys but i think if there's any two guys that can make this whole thing work it's the two of them yeah. I do love I do love that they seem to listen to the fans and what the fans want sure. and we see that. Uh this latest episode is point in case here, you know, case in point. To a certain extent, like they're they're very much fans of themselves and they're giving us stuff that we want, but they're also not scared to push the envelope a little bit and do some things that, you know, maybe the internet trolls would not have liked, but uh they went ahead and did it, and they they yeah for they sure. Did it right. So, continuing um, it with this episode and the breakdown of what we see. So, long story short, uh, Din fights Moff Gideon, ends up getting the black uh, dark saber, and then goes back to the bridge. We have that whole interaction with Bo-Katan and the way that the dark saber is passed down. And it has to be one, which this is a huge plot hole is what I'm hearing. Yes. So, Takuma, you, you, you've got some input on this. What's the huge controversy with the plot hole? Well, the thing is, she willingly accepts it, you know, years ago, given as a gift from Sabine. She takes the dark saber, goes on to unite the Mandalorian clans, and all that good stuff. But then here in episode sixteen, or chapter sixteen rather, she won't take mm-hmm. it as a gift. It has to be one through single combat. I think I think one of the major like, well, differences in the two situations is back back in the Clone Wars when Sabine presents it to her. She's presenting it to her like in the um right in the in the um with all the other clans around her. Like they've got all the clans gathered there in the presence of of all of them. So it's almost like all these clans are um they're approving it or anointing her the leader. Mm-hmm. Um 
And again, I think it also comes into play that we don't know yet how she lost that the dark saber after Sabine gave it to her. So I, I think. So yeah, I think I think that um, that is maybe the way they're going with that. It, it, it's a different situation, and the fact that Gideon's a douche and like kept pushing. You can't take it. You can't take it. You didn't win it. <laughs> well, and if you look at what happened after she accepted it, like, yeah, she united all the clans, but then the purge happened. So that's like one of the worst things that's ever happened in Mandalorian history. Mm-hmm. So it could be, I mean, they're, they're super, super, they're superstitious. So, I well, mean, and Boba, Boba makes reference to how the Imperials basically turn Mandalore to glass, he says. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, basically how many, you know, how many Mandalorians are left to rule, you know, and then, you know, what's left of the planet. Yep. And it, it's kind of, I want to say it's like a tainted legacy because she accepted it. But also the way Sabine acquired it, she stole it from Darth Maul while he was asleep. Right. Right. So I kind of feel like the Darksaber has to be won through force. Mm-hmm. And that they feel like that's the only way. And it's more of a, a status symbol at that point. But she has to do those things. Or the remaining Mandalorians just won't accept her anymore right and i think that may be part of the big um the big plot or you know where the where this is going in season three you know we're gonna see a lot of that development and and that conflict between um din and bo and then the culture of the way Din was raised as, uh, you know, a child of the watch versus what Bo-Katan believes. Um, I think the armorer from season one is probably going to come back into play as well um, as a, as kind of a force of conflict between Din and Bo-Katan. I think she's going to, she's going to be pushing Din to do one thing and bo going to be pushing him to do another thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think I agree with that too. I mean, just the way that she fought in season one, I, I think that we kind of knew eventually we would see her again. And, you know, he's starting to have those mixed feelings about taking his helmet off now anyway. So it sounds like it could be, you know, a conflict of interest with them. Mm-hmm. So I guess I definitely see once word gets out that he holds the dark saber and what he's done. Um, I, I see a lot of the allies from his previous cousin or clan coming back and just really be an antagonist in the next season. Yeah. I Yeah, I'd agree with that, too. That'd be kind of cool to see, though, too, all the Mandalorians. But is it... Yeah, no, is it, is it, I think it go ahead. <laughs> sorry. Is it just the, like, very much the, the ceremony and the, the way that the Darksaber is one that makes it you know, the story and the ruler, you become the ruler and stuff. Because, I mean, really in this episode, couldn't he have just been like, okay, you have to fight me, punch me in the head. And then she punches him and he drops it and he's like, oh, you won it. Yeah, that would be... <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that, that would be a fake fight. So, I mean, It'd be like point, uh, in the NWO when Kevin Nash pinned Hulk Hogan, you know? <laughs> <just> one, <laughs> one finger <laughs> pinned. <laughs> 
but I, when I saw that, I was like, why couldn't he just do that? Like they could, they could even fight for real for like a few blows and then just drop it and be like, oh, you win. <laughs> I wanted Din to throw the dark saber back to to Moff Gideon and just say, well, there you go, kick his ass again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, all right, so we're kind of just talking about that the the whole dark saber aspect of it but they're in the the main bridge mm-hmm. with moff gideon and then the death troopers arrive back dark troopers, dark troopers. god i keep saying death troopers because i really like the death troopers so the dark troopers arrive back and they start banging on the door and we're like okay this is it like they're they're just gonna get tore up here anybody else like feel like at that point that we're going to end the season on a cliffhanger. I, you know, I kind of thought we were going to get a rescue from somebody. Um, I also kind of thought that they were going to get, get in there and mow down. I thought we were going to lose some people this episode. I thought they were going to get in and mow down some people before we got the rescue from whoever. Um, I was pretty sure that we were going to lose. What's her name? Fennec. Fennec Shan. Yeah, I thought she was going to die. I was pretty sure Cara Dune was going to die. Um, I thought we were going to have some casualties, you know, kind of like we lost uh, the little Ugnaught in season one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, before we jump into who arrives, was anybody surprised with who arrived? A little bit. but I, I was only because I thought it was going to be someone else. I thought they were building it up like it was going to be this person, but at the last minute, fake you out. Now, I'm I'm going to gloat just a little bit and say, hey, <laughs> go back to our very first episode about Mandalorian Season 2. And I kind of called from the beginning. I thought we were getting who we got right from the beginning. I thought there was no way that this was going to turn out to be anybody but who it was. <laughs> and, and who was it, Joe? Now, you guys, I know you guys thought quite a bit that it was going to be, uh, what's his name, Cal Kestis from from the video yeah, game. I, I just thought, I thought there was no way that that was mainstream enough to, you know, number one, him being powerful enough to, to save the day and be na- mainstream enough for fans to go, who the heck is that? Mm. Uh, you know, we, we got the Death Troopers pounding on the door. And then we get the little alert that a ship was boarding and it was a single X wing. (laughs) And there, there's only one guy in the galaxy that's going to come in on, on a single X wing and be able to do anything. Dave Filoni. Um, Yeah. Dave Filoni. There was a lot of people that were like, we thought it was Dave coming in there. (laughs) Well, the one X wing too, I was like, it could be the, uh, the other dude that uh, made Caraduna Ranger. Oh, yeah, the little bald dude? Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. look at him. Look at him coming to save the day. Yeah, he gets mowed down by the first guy he runs into. <laughs> but, you know, the the way that they framed him in and the way that, especially at first, they used the imagery of, like, watching through a security cam, um, you know, seeing that cloaked figure come through, uh, you know, I think – you know, I fanboyed out. I think pretty much anybody that was watching it fanboyed out. Um, just in the fact that we finally got to see what we've wanted for quite a while, and that's Luke Skywalker in his prime 
just tearing shit up. Yeah. And it was, I mean, as a fan, and I think I can speak for all of us, the moment that you see the X-Wing come in and then it changes to the camera view and they're watching him on the monitor. And the minute you saw that cloak walk down the hallway, you were like, that's Luke. It's got to be Luke. The, the tone of the, the music, along with him fighting on the black and white monitor, I mean, that's, that to me is going to be one of those iconic scenes that you're going to remember for the rest of your life. Now, just a question, because I've I've said I'm not a big fan of the Dark Troopers or Death Troopers or whatever they are. Are they infused with some sort of force sensitivity or force power? Because you could tell, like, they knew that something serious was headed their way as soon as Luke docked. Because um, they, like, stopped and they turned and they were getting ready, you know, to face him. Um, what? Do they have some sort of force sensitivity? See, I thought back in the day they did, didn't they, Takuma? Yeah. yeah, so it was in Dark Forces, it was the other way around where the Series 1 and Series 2 were droids and Series 3 were enhanced troopers. Uh-huh. And so they were it was always you know hinted that they were enhanced you know with some sort of dark side abilities but and maybe not so much abilities but that it was the dark side that made them able to lift shift ship weapons or you know sustain uh, lightsaber damage Mm. but I don't know They've shifted everything around. Now the third series is the droid. So I don't know. To me, it just to me it just seemed like they knew that something other than just a dude was coming down the hall. Like they knew that so- something serious was coming their way. Yeah, like, and I think Gideon's. I loved Gideon's reaction, like as he laid on the floor and watched. Like I think he knew that he was screwed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, and my my favorite thing about Moff Gideon just prior to that, the expert use of hiding a blaster under the <laughs> It's like, why don't I wear a cape more often? <laughs> <laughs> they can get you out of a sticky situation. Just <laughs> and That's why Lando always wore a cape, man. Lando, Lando exactly. was the real deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so then uh, we go from the black and white monitors to the actual in color. First shot is him walking. Uh, you see the backside of him, and then you see the green saber. And you knew right when you saw the green saber uh, that it was probably Luke. And then for me, once I saw the hilt of his lightsaber, I was like, "Yeah, that's Luke." And one gloved hand. Uh, it was. It was like I said, one of those moments. I think that in cinemat cinemagraphic, is that a word? I don't think so. It is now, though. It is. You're <laughs> true. It's, it's a moment that I'm going to remember probably for the rest of my life, you know. Cinemagraphic. The, yeah, the time that Luke Skywalker came back. Well, I think they did a really good job in the fact that, they, okay, they've set up all season, all two seasons, to show how tough Din is, okay? Mm-hmm. You know, he's an expert, you know, martial artist. He can fight without a weapon. He can fight with a weapon. You know, he's crafty. He's creative. They've shown how tough the Mandalorian is. Basically, he got his ass handed to him by one single death trooper, dark trooper, whatever he is, yeah. um, in this episode. So they they showed fairly effectively how tough these troopers are. And then they also showed how easily 
a fully trained, powerful Luke Skywalker can just cut those to Swiss cheese. Yeah, and I thought it was awesome when he's walking through the bay and he's like force pushing stuff into them and knocking them over and then just slicing them with the lightsaber. Uh, and then he gets on the elevator to go to the level where the, the bridge is. And Baby Yoda's touching the monitor with yeah. his hand. What, what was that about? Does anybody know? Like, Was that just to signify like him kind of telling them where they were? Well, you know, as soon as the X-Wing docks, you see Grogu's ears perk like they just connected. So it could be Luke felt his presence the moment he was God, was it chapter 13 or 14 when Grogu was on the on the, oh, on the rock there? Yeah. yeah. So it, it could be Luke felt his presence ever since that point. But being in that close proximity, he felt Luke's presence. So. Yeah, that scene that you're talking about, it almost looked like Grogu was like next door to death. Like when Din puts him yeah. down, he's like, I'm going to get you out of here, kid. And you could just see like he was tired and like mm-hmm. just kind of seemed like he wasn't in it. And then when Luke arrived, like you said, Takuma, his ears perked up and he was like, okay, like I'm here. I'm here, second dad. Come get me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, just the, the way he communicates through the force easier than actually speaking or, or you know, mm-hmm. any other way that non-force sensitive people understand. Right. Uh, I don't know. I kind of feel like they were having a little conversation through the whole hallway. Yeah, I, I agree <laughs> with that. I think that they were, you know, Luke could obviously sense where Grogu was. And I think it was Grogu kind of reaching out to like, hey, we're here. We need your help. <laughs> so Luke takes the elevator to where the bridge is. Elevator doors open up. Green lightsaber comes out. What do you guys think? You see the scene. What do you think? I, I think it's everything that we've wanted to see for 25 years. <laughs> <laughs> just yeah. Luke ripping, ripping up what he can do. Um, I loved, you know, just how easily he cut them down. He cuts one in half, like straight up the middle. Uh, it, it was almost the Rogue One Darth Vader scene that we got at the end where he was just cutting up, cutting up rebel troopers <laughs> and whipping them around like rag dolls. You know, that was the Darth Vader that we'd wanted to see for, 25 years this was the luke skywalker that we wanted to see for that long um and -hmm. just showing how powerful he is i loved especially that very last one where he gets to the end and he just like force crushes him (laughs) with his hand yeah which i've been hearing in, in certain videos they say that's like a forbidden force power well and luke you know luke has touched the dark side before you know and he's shown that he truly is anakin's kid you know he's not scared to you know kind of push the envelope a bit if you remember when he entered jabba's palace you know he force choked those two uh what are those little pig guys the uh yeah the gamorians he he force choked them and that's you know force choking is supposedly a dark side power yeah. yeah, and I'm glad that you said that about um, it had that Rogue One feel because that was exactly what we thought when we saw it, you know, the way he stepped off the elevator, um, you know, see Vader throw the dude up on the ceiling and then slice him with his lightsaber and then he falls to the ground. It, it just like there was so many 
not the same moves that you saw from Rogue One, but it just had that same feel. Even the the crushing of him at the end, you were like, "This is this is what I've waited for all this time. This is what yep. this is what I wanted in the Last Jedi and the Rise of Skywalker." Absolutely. Yeah, it it made Vader feel like an actual threat instead of just seven feet tall and. and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was. I mean, even the you know the. Just the swift movements that is what everybody wanted, you know, because with Luke and Vader, all you saw was two handed, like step and slash moves, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, and Luke really, he made, he made quick work of these guys, you know, when he finally steps foot on the bridge, you know, he didn't even break a sweat. He's just like chilling, like, hey, how's it going? Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, just like, yeah, when he came into the bridge and he, like, had his lightsaber ignited just in case, and then he walked in and, um, you know, powered it down, and then he was just cool, calm, composed, like, hey, let's talk it out, guys. I was really, really happy to see, and, you know, I'm a huge Sebastian Stan fan, you know, and I've I've talked a lot about how I think he could do a really good job taking up the mantle of Luke if they decide to do, like, a movie or a series or, you know, something extended with Luke Skywalker, but I was really happy to see that they just used Mark Hamill and, you know, age regressed his face and CGI'd him onto a stunt double. Um, you know, I know a lot of the, the trolls are unhappy about that, but those are the same people that are pissed off that they didn't use Ashley Eckstein as Ahsoka. So <laughs> um, yeah. I thought they really did a good job making it look and feel like Luke. Yeah. I thought they did a good job, yeah. Um, I was, because when he was walking through the, like, once he landed on the ship and he's taking out the dark troopers and stuff like that, and he had the hood up the whole time, um, I, Ray even looked at me at one time, and she's like, they're not going to show us his face. So when he got to the bridge and he took his hood off, I was kind of surprised that it wasn't Sebastian Stan. You know, in my own opinion, I was like, oh, that's not him. Um, and then the the realm of whether people liked it or not, people I've talked to, it's been about half and half. Some people said that it looked better CGI than what we saw of uh, Tarkin and Leia in Rogue One. Others saying it was horrible, that it didn't look good. Um, I thought it was decent, though, for what we got. Yeah, I thought it was good. I know I see online those people that are like already enhancing it with their own stuff, making it look more like Hamill. <laughs> but... It. I thought for what it was, it looked great. Like, I, you know, and I, I didn't have a problem with Tarkin in Rogue One. I thought the way they did Tarkin was pretty freaking cool. And for as short as the, um, the Carrie Fisher thing at the end of Rogue One was, I was a fan of that too. Mm-hmm. So you know, I, mm-hmm. I again don't have a problem with it. I, you know, we've still got Mark Hamill. He's still alive. You know, for as small as this part was. I think they made the right choice in CGIing them. You know, if you're talking about a full-length movie or multiple appearances, I I don't think the CGI would be the right way to go. But for as small as this part was, I think it worked. And and I feel like that yeah, how they did it was basically like a gauge to see if they were going to do more. And now that the fans are like, oh my god, we saw Luke Skywalker, young Luke in his prime. Now they can kind of pitch that to Sebastian Stan and say, look, this is the fan reaction. They want a series of just Luke and his stories. Like, do it because you're going to make it, you know, a ton of money and a ton of memories for people. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I, I feel like if they do, you know, feature length uh, CGI face, you're going to hit that uncanny valley where it's just not going to be appealing to people. Um, I know there's a lot of like deep fakes on the web right now of like, here's, here's what his face should look like. But at the same time, it's like, hopefully they do get Mark Hamill's blessing and, you know, Hey, use this actor. This guy can play me. And, you know, I think Mark's, I think Mark's gone on record, you know, kind of giving Sebastian Stan his blessing. Cause I know he even yeah. posted some, some tweets a long time ago. Uh, just kind of joking about how much he looked like him. <laughs> and Mark, you know, Mark is, he's a pretty affable guy. I think he's, he's willing to, you know, his ego isn't going to hold back letting the character of the story be told. Um, but I, I think that you're a hundred percent right. That if you did a feature length with the CGI, it would come off a little bit. Yee. But um, for such a small part, I think it was the right choice. Well, and, and then looking at the aftermath after this episode, it's quite amazing because even Mark Hamill himself went on record saying that he was blown away. Like it was historical, the fact that this didn't leak online prior to the episode airing, which it actually is for the time that we live in. Everything is online. Yeah. So the fact that they kept this a secret was amazing. Yeah. The Mandalorian's kind of shown a penchant for that. You know, their production staff, is very good about keeping things quiet. You know, we heard, you know, rumors that Rosario Dawson was going to be cast for Ahsoka, and we heard rumors about this, we heard rumors about that. At that time, if you look back at the time we were hearing those rumors, that episode was already shot. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and then, but it's weird because then there's the rumors that we hear that actually came to fruition and, like, were on the big screen, but then other ones like, oh, you're going to see Sabine or, you know, maybe Mace Windu is going to come back or, you know, things like that. And you didn't see any of that this season. No. Well, I think that's a, that's a um, kind of an example of, you know, the internet crackpots throw out, you know, they're just like us guessing what we want to see or what we think we're going to see. You know, you throw out 50 darts um, at a dartboard, you're going to probably hit with two of them. Mm. But those other 48 are just going to be crap. Yep. Yep. So, yeah. um, so this episode wraps up the season. The season, yeah, season episode wraps up with uh, Grogu going with Luke. Uh, now, I know that was uh, I was so geeked up and so excited to see Luke. Um, like that was a lot to handle for an old Star Wars fan like me. Um, it and then right after that scene, we get hit with the kind of the gut wrenching goodbye between Grogu and Din. And I know Nines Nines cried her head off during that. That was a lot to take, too. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was emotional. Uh, I don't know. I have mixed feelings about it. To me, the way they wrapped it up, they they basically ended this whole story arc that we've just gone through the last two seasons, which leads me to feel that season three is going to be taking place, in my opinion, maybe five years down the road. Like they'll jump around. Yeah. I think we'll get, we'll get a little bit of time passed. I don't know if it'll be as big as five years, but I think we are going to get like a jump um, and it'll kind of jump us into the middle of some kind of conflict with the Mandalorians. 
Yeah, and I kind of thought that it would be, you know, jumping ahead five years at this point, you know, Grogu's with Luke training. Because I thought I read an article that said we were going to see Grogu grow up now, um, now that he's been introduced to the world. Uh, but you go ahead five years, Din Djarin's, you know, he's ruling Mandalore. He's got the Darksaber. He's in charge of it, so it could pick up from there. And then by that point, you know, Grogu's a little bit older, maybe communicate a little bit better. And just kind of like something happens that brings them back together. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's kind of my thought. I don't. I'm probably way off, but I mean, no, I, I, think, I, can't, I think I can't tell the difference between right. a dark saber or a dark uh, trooper and a death trooper. <laughs> I think you're 100 percent right. I think that eventually that that's how the series will probably tie up with the reuniting of the two. I think we may we may get all of season three without a Grogu. And that they bring us that reunion in season four, but I do think that that's eventually what they'll lead us to is them reuniting. Yeah, there's uh, a lot of theories about, especially Grogu's race, because um, he's already over fifty years old right now. And then you look at Yoda; he was over nine hundred years mm-hmm. old. So in five years would he really be much different than he is right now? But that's if they progress, if they age the same way uh, most bipedal races age. And so one theory was that they were, they may be kind of like insects where they go through a larval and then they go through some kind of change. So I don't know if they're going to do some massive change just to get like a teenage Grogu. <laughs> But... I heard somewhere people discussing online if they just handed uh, Baby Grogu uh, a death sentence because remember what happens to everyone at Luke's Jedi Academy? Yeah. Oh, McClunky yeah. man, you're you're jumping right into where I wanted to go. <laughs> okay, now I was talking to Nines before, and she thinks that I'm completely full of shit. But um, okay, Nines, <laughs> as we all know, is deeply in love with Kylo Ren, so we got to take that this whole thing with a grain of salt. <laughs> Anytime I talk about, you know, him killing all the, the Jedi Padawans, she gets all pissy. But, okay, so we, I mean, something did. we got Grogu now going to train with Luke, okay? I don't think there's a chance. I think Grogu, I think Disney has big plans for him beyond everything Mandalorian. I think they're going to eventually shift him up to kind of be the savior of the Jedi with Rey and with... I know I'm going deep cut here, but with uh, probably a returning Ezra Bridger. Mm. But now I got I got two theories now how Grogu survives Kylo Ren. I, I'm going to run them both by you and see what one you guys think is, is good. Okay. okay. Theory one is pretty simple. And, and uh, again, I don't think we would see this in the Mandalorian show. This is something we'd probably see beyond. But obviously he has he has a connection with Din. Okay. Mm-hmm. I see Grogu at the Jedi Temple training with Luke. Kylo's around there being pouty pouty teenager. I think Grogu picks up on what's going to happen because that's how powerful he is in the Force. And he reaches out to Din. Din, wherever he is, whatever he's doing, okay, that's 30 years down the road, so he's an old man. But he goes and saves Grogu from the Temple before shit hits the fan. Okay, so that's my my one first easy theory. Okay. okay. 
my second theory is a little bit a little bit deeper but is that ahsoka you know i was really hoping we would get ahsoka reuniting or meeting luke somewhere in this season Uh we did not get that but i think eventually we will my theory is that ahsoka down the road meets up with luke at luke's new temple okay she lost faith in the jedi you know for how they kind of betrayed her she meets Luke and gets her faith in the Jedi restored because she's seen the son of Anakin now tell her that Anakin did come back to the light side. That brings Ahsoka back into the Jedi Order, Luke's new Jedi Order, and she takes on Grogu as her Padawan, and they are not even anywhere near the temple when Kylo cuts everybody to shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that that makes sense that if he was taken away somehow, and I think they've got enough forces out there that would either knowingly or unknowingly uh, kind of spirit him mm-hmm. away from what's going to Well, we've, we've or... already seen that they're going to, you know, launch Ahsoka in her own series, which we're kind of guessing is going to be the hunt for Ezra. You know, if Ahsoka mm-hmm. succeeds in that and finds Ezra Bridger out in the unknown regions, um, if she does then return back to the Jedi Order, you know, she could spirit Grogu away or, you know, take him as a Padawan, go meet up with Ezra, yeah. and they can be in hiding. And then guess what? After the events of Episode Nine happen, she can return, and now they've got a ready-made Jedi Council in Ezra Bridger, Ahsoka Tano, and Rey. Well, and the thing is, at this point, Ahsoka doesn't consider herself a Jedi. So I, I don't think she would ever, like, she would rejoin a Jedi Well, Council. and that's what I thought at first, too. But then how do I get, I, I needed to figure out how she would take on Grogu as a Padawan then. And she would have to actually rejoin the Order mm-hmm. to do that. And Well, and the, the thing is, that's assuming Grogu is even trainable. Because his attachment to Din is so strong. I mean, that's, that's mm-hmm. affection, which he's going to have to lose mm-hmm. that. So that's going to be one of the things that if he can't break his attachment to Den or, you know, stop missing mm-hmm. him, then he'll be untrainable. So then Ahsoka shows up and, Oh, Hey, I know this kid. Yeah. I can't train him anymore. He can't get any stronger in the force because then he'll turn to the dark side. Oh, well, Take him and show him the ways of the gray Jedi. So that, that's kind of what I see happening. I don't know if Luke would, I don't know if Luke would give up on him, even if he has that strong attachment. Cause Luke, you know, as, as he said in, in one of the sequels, you know, his hubris was his weakness. You know, I don't think Luke mm-hmm. thinks he can fail. You know, he's forever the optimist. Um, and I think he would take on Grogu no matter what. But then we see where that eventually leads, where, you know, he fails Kylo and it all turns to crap. Yeah. But anyway, that's my take on how Grogu survives, because I I don't think that Disney, uh, they see the cash cow that they have in Grogu. And there's no way they're going to let Pouty Pouty Kylo cut him down. Yeah, I agree with that. There's yeah, there's no way that they'll get rid of him, at least not anytime soon. No, and if you can, yeah. if you can see, if you can see how popular he popular he is, 
And, you know, even though there were issues with the sequel trilogy with Ray and that Ray is an ultra popular character. If you can put the two of them together, you know, you just fixed a lot of problems right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I like your theories on that though, Joe. Joe. Well, who's got paper? <laughs> I got oh. paper. You got yeah, paper. I got paper. You got paper. Well, uh, we are running a little bit longer with our Mandalorian talk yeah. here. So uh, this podcast has been amazing. I think that we should, yeah. I mean, if everybody's good with chapter 16 or if there's anything else we want to discuss, we can. Um, but I feel like uh, runtime, we kind of discussed everything we need to. We can stick a pin in it. And then next episode, we can cover the Marvel uh, Disney Plus releases that they announced. Yeah, I think that's a good idea because I honestly, with all the stuff with Mandalorian, I haven't delved too heavy into all those rumors, not rumors, but all those announcements. Like I watched the trailers, but I, I need to do a little more uh, homework before we hit yeah, it. Yeah, nice. there's something we missed that we need to talk about. That end scene at oh. the end of <laughs> at the end of uh, the episode with uh, Boba Fett. Good catch, yes. McClunky. So they pulled a Marvel where they put a post credit scene. Yeah. And so for us, it was just, we happened to be like letting the credits roll and we were talking about how amazing the episode was. And then out of nowhere, you see the the twin sons. Yeah. And we were like, wait, what is this? And then of course, right when they were about to like start, you know, shifting the view from the twin sons, our internet crapped out and it started to load. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and then we, oh, no. of course, I yelled at somebody, and I'm like, "My hotspot's used up. Somebody, quick, turn on your hotspot." I was, um, I was lucky in the fact that when the when the, um, when the episode ended and they were rolling credits, I was watching the credits, and I saw Bib Fortuna on the credits, and I'm like, "What? He wasn't in that episode. <laughs> like, why? Why would they credit Bib Fortuna?" And I'm like, "Something's coming." So I kept watching, and then boom. Well, and McClunky was the one that caught it, and he was like, "Hey, they didn't show us any concept art at the end of this this episode either. It went there was no real theme music or anything. It was just kind of like the credits rolling, and then yeah, we went to the scene. So, I mean, it did have that that different feel, and you kind of felt that something was coming. Um, but again, we just stumbled across it, and I was like, "Holy crap! I didn't even know that they credited uh, that." Yeah, I didn't know that either. The end credits." Yeah, <laughs> aka fat bib. <laughs> uh, now, we we got to see I think a, a pretty iconic um, set in the fact that Jabba's palace uh, that we got to see in Return of the Jedi. I thought that was pretty awesome, getting to see uh, Fennec and Boba come down those stairs that we saw in Return of the Jedi, um, and we saw you know a lot of the same type of shenanigans that were going under Jabba. We're now going under Bib, <laughs> even though Bib's a big loser. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I think it was nice to see. I'm not sure how fans will take it. Like, fans like us will take it the right way. But the Boba Fett and the Fennec that we got in this series were, like, you know, super helpful. And we're doing the right thing. And we're doing that. That's that's not Boba Fett. Um, I think we're going to get in this series, we're going to get you know, kind of the Sopranos version of Boba Fett. We're going to get the the bad guy. Yeah. Uh, they definitely 
Boba isn't necessarily evil. He he's not like in terms of alignment, lawful evil, like Darth mm. Vader. He's more of a chaotic. Yeah, neutral. I was gonna say he probably so, lands chaotic neutral. And especially, you know, the Imperial the Empire paid the most and he wanted to be the greatest bounty hunter. You don't do nice things when you're the greatest mm-hmm. bounty hunter that ever lived. So, and I think there's times where Django taught him honor, and that's how he lived his life. So he didn't, you know, all the times he could have shot Han in the back, he didn't. It was the chase. It was the hunt. Um, he definitely double-crossed his friends, but it was always, you know, he didn't kill Bosk all the time. He could have. <laughs> so, Good old Bosk. I, I think Jango, or Boba's just got his own little moral code. And the statement at the end, he sits on the throne. I mean, he, he's taken over a crime yeah. syndicate. But it, it just so happens that He's not gonna do the whole slavery thing. So, I mean, you, you see Finnick shoot the chain link and let the Twilight slave mm-hmm. go. That was very much like a chunk of the Hut Empire was slavery. That was one of the three legs that held him up. What so, do you think his primary motivation will be? Do you think that he is motivated himself to be like ego driven? to be, you know, the biggest crime lord there is? Or is it more to rebuild the name that his father had had built, you know? He's very proud to show his lineage code to Din. Like, when he gets the chance to show him, like, hey, this is me right here. So, establishing, like, the Fett name, it doesn't have to be a Mandalorian, but he is mm-hmm. the greatest. So I I do think that's that's always his motivation, and especially when he cleans up his it's arm. Been, it's been kind of I cool mean, to see that angle that we never got before, because we never really got a ton of his personality in the movies. I do think it's kind of cool that yeah. they've they've given they've given us uh, a glimpse of him of how proud he is of who he is and how proud he is of who his father was. For sure. Yeah. I I think it's definitely, you know, like you said, it's going to be more of a Sopranos kind of show. And that that's in line with what Disney has planned with Marvel. Every series has a thematic thing. So for the Mandalorian, it's a Western um, and I know I'm jumping ahead to the next episode, but like Loki, they're billing that as a, a crime mm-hmm. thriller. So I do feel like as more series are spawned, each one's going to have its own little, little theme. And now question for you guys. I know, uh, my opinion of the solo movie is a lot higher than a lot of the other people's. I think it got kind of a bad rap. Disney originally was planning that to be a multi-movie thing. Like, it was going to be a a story told that delved into, you know, the the underworld and the crime syndicates of the Star Wars world. Obviously, that plan got shot to shit 
um, with the backlash <laughs> from The Last Jedi. You know, Solo kind of paid the price for yeah. The Last Jedi. Um, obviously, we're dealing in a different time frame now than that would have taken place. But do you think that Disney is going to take this shot to delve into that? Like, I, I think there's a decent chance that we may get Han Solo and Lando and Chewie somewhere in this Boba Fett series. Um, you know, they could easily have Alden Ehrenreich reprise that role, just make him look a little bit older and uh, and, and have him somewhere mm-hmm. in this Boba series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely think um, they're definitely going to explore that aspect because, I mean, it's there's no other reason to go back to Tatooine. You know, it, it's like Tatooine is either moisture farms or gambling. So <laughs> I don't know. I, I think that Harrison Ford would maybe come back given the uh, the amount of attention that the Mandalorian has gotten and fans' response to it. I can see him signing up. I mean, he still wants to do Indiana Jones. So I think if you if you spin yeah. it in the right light for Harrison Ford, he'll he'll come back. I just thought it might be like it might be a good opportunity for Disney to kind of ingratiate Alden into the Star Wars universe because there's lots of Han Solo stories that could could have and should have been told if that movie wouldn't have got such in a bad rap yeah. and that. This Mandalorian mm-hmm. series is so popular that if you could bring in yeah. Alden as a Han Solo, you know, for an episode or a cameo here or there, um, it would go a long way to making fans feel okay with him being Han Solo. Yeah, and I, you you look at the the hate and the backlash for Hayden Christensen being Anakin and then Darth Vader, and now Hayden Christensen's going to be. Darth Vader in the mm-hmm. Obi-Wan series. So I, I think definitely in time, I mean, these these are the facts they have to deal with. They have these actors who portrayed these characters. Yeah. Previous actors mm-hmm. are passing away. I mean, you know, we, we lost Dave Prowse this year. So we lost uh, we lost Jeremy Jeremy Bullock just uh four days ago. Yeah. Well, and again, yeah. to not to beat a dead horse, you've got better people writing dialogue than we did back in the day. So, you know, you've, you you could have some <laughs> characters that appeared kind of stiff back in the old days that you could you could do a lot better things with than you did back then. Mm-hmm. I mean, Hayden yeah. Christensen, you know, a lot of people gave that poor guy a hard time for his scenes, you know, in Attack yeah. of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. But, you know, you can only do so much with what you're given to say. And I think if you, if you give Hayden Christensen mm-hmm. some better lines, some better dialogue, I think, I think they could do a lot to repair Anakin, too, um, with, some, with some better scenes. Yeah, I think, I think he got dealt uh, some bad cards with Attack of the Clones and then uh, Revenge of the Sith. Revenge of the Sith, though, is still, like, one of my favorites to see the – the actual downfall of Anakin and then the battle between Obi-Wan and him and the conflict that you can already feel from him in that movie. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think, I think the Obi-Wan series is going to make that even better for you and better for everybody is that it's going to give us a lot better. Even if it's just little glimpses here and there, it's going to give us little glimpses of that relationship between Obi-Wan and Anakin. And it's going to make it feel even harder 
to go back and, and look at that scene where they fight and, and, you know, Anakin turns into mm-hmm. Vader. Um, I think it's going to make it even more powerful. Well, and there was, uh, there's rumors too, because in um, A New Hope, when he uh, faces, or no, excuse me, Empire Strikes Back, when he's battling Luke and he says, you know, Obi-Wan once thought as you did, or, or was that Return of the Jedi? I can't get, a, get them all straight. Um, but where he's talking about turning them, that was Return of the Jedi, and he says, well, Obi-Wan once thought like you, you think. So they're saying, well, maybe there's another battle or another interaction in the Obi-Wan series that we're going to see before that takes place before a new hope, which will be pretty iconic. And, and I think will be done really well. Pretty powerful too. Yeah. 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 They've done, you know, they've done the original uh, battle scene with Darth Vader and Obi-Wan with Alec Guinness, you know, their, their original battle scene with the lightsabers and the hangar was very stiff, very slow moving. And then, a couple of years ago they did uh, some company came out with a revised version of it, which looks phenomenal, very quick. Uh, and the- yeah, that's really well done. I don't know who did that, but they should, yeah, some production company. And actually some of the videos that I saw uh, pertaining to a new hope, they actually incorporated that into it. And I thought that was really sweet. And I think if they stay along those lines for the Obi-Wan series, I think you're going to have, you know, fans just eating out of the palm of their hands. Cause that's what people want. You know, they want the good action scenes and they want that, that personal connection between the two characters and feel the conflict between them. And, and uh, I think that they'll, they'll knock it out of the park with the Obi-Wan series. I think so too. I mean, you look at, you look at Filoni and Favreau and if they're in charge, they're going to do the right. Yeah. Thing. But I, I do think, you know, going back to that, I think that we're going to see some uh, additional battles between the two of them in the Obi-Wan series that, probably were hinted at in you know return of the jedi empire strikes back uh that that you're going to see that take place between revenge of the sith and new hope so i think that that would would be be pretty cool all right boys what do you think should we put a bow on this yeah i think i think so yeah i think we should because what we were just talking about actually goes into our next episode yeah (laughs) so uh yeah so we just want to thank everybody for listening and uh you know if you have just stumbled across us for whatever reason go back check out all our previous episodes because tons of good content in there lots of good stuff yep and we want to thank uh, takuma for joining us this evening this is yes thank you sir it was a joy to have you yeah first time here and we hope to have you on a bunch more times you know, fingers crossed. Yeah, I think oh, yeah. Uh, not to not to spoil things down the road, but I think you're a resource we are going to tap into, <laughs> sir. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> well, that's so. Uh, yeah, all of us here at Nerds and Beer, we want to say yeah. happy holidays. Yeah, happy holidays, Merry Christmas. Yeah, and Christmas. McClunky's got his lines here. Yep. Um, what do people need to do? Wash your hands and wear a mask correctly. Yep. <laughs> yep. You know. <laughs> I switch it up every time, but you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I think that's all we got, boys. Nice. Yep. Peace out, Girl Scouts. <laughs> oh, Mr. Sheffield. Oh, Mr. <laughs>